You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Seattle, Washington, uh, <laughs> which makes all sorts of sense. Um, but shout out to our listeners and good friends of the pod, Aaron Johannes, Dan Schaefer, both representing Seattle for uh the next little while at least uh but both of them out there so shout out to all of them shout out to all of you listening all over the country and all over the world i feel confident saying that with uh such a a Giannis heavy podcast uh i'm sure we have plenty of listeners in greek in greece as well excuse me um joining me today as he always does is the founder of brewhoop.com and my good friend frank madden frank how you doing buddy good got you know, we, we thought we'd have to wait until next week for real NBA news, but the NBA never sleeps. <laughs> so even even pre-training camp, Jimmy Butler giving us things to talk about, things to think about. And uh, yeah, this is why we love the NBA, right? Absolutely. So our call tonight, a little inside Lockdown Bucks for you. Our call tonight started with me and Frank trying to figure out what we're going to talk about. And then me bringing up Jimmy Butler and Frank saying, well, actually, I'm about to tweet out my first ever thread on this exact topic. So, yes, I, I do believe that Jimmy Butler and Chris Middleton, a potential trade there, and Jimmy Butler in general, makes for an interesting hypothetical discussion for the Milwaukee Bucks. So that's exactly what we're going to talk about today uh, because, one, that's what everyone is talking about, and, two, um, I, I think it's it's kind of an interesting idea. So what I want to do at the start of this conversation is let all of you know I don't think there is any chance the Milwaukee Bucks trade for Jimmy Butler. Like, I don't, I don't think that is happening, and that is not the goal of this podcast. This podcast is not trying to tell you that, oh, get your hopes up for Jimmy Butler and the Bucks being in the mix on this one. I don't think that's a, a real possibility, and I don't. This pod, this podcast is not about hope. I think we all know that, right? I mean, that we don't, we don't peddle hope, right? <laughs> I don't. Right, yeah. Eric? Yes, that goes uh, directly against uh, the ethos. I, I, and I, I, kid, I kid. I don't know. Our brand I is sort of kid. I sort of. Kid. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, so I don't want anyone to be confused here. Like, I don't want this to be you thinking uh, that Frank and I believe the Bucks are going to be in the mix here because we don't, or at least I don't. I don't think Frank does either. No, I, I don't think so. I mean. You know, typically, whenever these in the past, and and this goes goes back to kind of even before John Horst was GM, but it seems like typically when we've had star players available, um, either with uh, player options or um, you know expiring deals or things like that, um, I'm thinking back to Paul George uh, in particular. But I mean, I think I know there were other guys uh, who were kind of escaping me. Um, you know, it seems like the Bucks were rumored to uh, have sniffed around, usually on the premise of, you know, hey, would that guy opt in or would he be willing to sign an extension or 
you know, something that would insulate them from the possibility of that guy just leaving after a year, or, you know, even in the summer, if it's a guy who's on an expiring contract and typically the response is in like, well, no, that's not, that's not a realistic expectation. So that kind of just typically ends, ends that kind of interest. Um, and I, I think with Jimmy, I mean, again, he's a guy that can become a free agent uh, a year from now. And, um, you know, look, I, I don't think he, he's an interesting guy, right? Because on the one hand, um, you know, he seemed to like Chicago. Um, he seems to like Tom Thibodeau, even though Tom Thibodeau runs him into the ground. He's a gritty guy. He's got a Milwaukee connection through the Marquette thing. Um, you can talk yourself into the idea of Jimmy Butler fitting in well in Milwaukee, I think. Um, but let's not overlook the fact that Jimmy Butler also apparently has his sights set on three teams, which are all in either New York or Los Angeles. And um, well, you know, Oh, that- wow. I didn't even realize that. Those were... Those teams are in New York or Los Angeles. Weird, huh? I didn't even yeah. re- I didn't even realize. Yeah, those teams are not um, title contenders. They what? are just teams in no. New York or LA. <laughs> what? Really? Just wait. You're, now you're going to tell me they have max space. <laughs> they might have max space next summer, Eric. Oh, uh, they so... might be able to to sign another guy next summer and offer uh, Jimmy himself a lot of money. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it seems like this is uh, you know a get me to a big market where I can lure another star. And, and, and again, I mean, you, you could argue, well, if you come to Milwaukee, you've got Giannis, you've already got your other star, but, um, but yeah, I, I oh, oh, just wait in those two markets. Is there another team, Frank? Oh, just wait. Do they also have the best player on the planet? And does what, and that, wanna, that team wasn't on the list. Yeah. That, that, huh? Don't play with LeBron. Yeah. We, I, oh, man, that's so Hmm. So he, it looks. It Jimmy looks like, Butler. Jimmy Butler. Well, like, you know, um, now for for quite some time reported to be a good friend of Kyrie Irving. Uh, apparently, also does not want to play with LeBron James. So um, huh. I think it, I think as you said that probably. What, what did, did you say that that says as much about Jimmy Butler as it does LeBron James, or more about Jimmy Butler as it does LeBron James? I mean, I, you, I thought it says it says a little bit more about Jimmy Butler. Just like it's very clear he wants to be in New York or Los Angeles. Okay, I, you know what? I'm I'm very aware of how the NBA tends to work. Fine. He wants to be on a team that can clearly give him max money. Hey, I'm all about securing the bag. I'm fine with it. Like if that's what if that's what you're about, that's what you're about. I'm very happy that Jimmy Butler has been transparent about this. But to go to a team in New York or Los Angeles that has max space, and then also not include the team that has the best player on the planet in one of the two best players in the history of the game. I got to question your motives. And and again, actually, I don't need to question your motives. Your motives are very clear, but don't, you don't get to talk about winning ever again. Like you you don't, you just don't like Jimmy Butler. And that that's what makes all this so interesting is because I'm pretty sure throughout his time with the wolves, he's bitched and complained about, Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns not being about winning and not wanting to do the little things. I, I believe that's been the narrative that has been tossed about. Well, Jimmy, that brings up an interesting question for you, buddy, because it doesn't seem like you are about the winning because you just made a choice by saying those are your three teams, three of the three of the most poorly run franchises in the history of basketball. Like, I don't I don't think that's a stretch. The, the Knicks, the Nets, and the Clippers are at least certainly in the last 
two decades. Those are the near the top three, three of the top five, somewhere in there. So I, I, I guess I, I just struggle with all, and I shouldn't say I struggle with it. I get what he wants. He wants to be the man and he wants to get paid like the man, which is totally fine. But also that means you're probably going to lose some games and that I, that's totally fine. But I do have to wonder, and this is why I think him to Milwaukee is so interesting is that I think it's pretty easy to call Jimmy Butler a top 15 player in the NBA. I think it's relatively easy to even call him a top 10 player in the NBA. So that would mean he's better than Chris Middleton. Going by our rankings that, that yes, we did on this he's podcast. He's definitely better than Chris Middleton. He's yes. definitely better than Chris Middleton. But I'm not convinced if he came to Milwaukee, he would think he's the second best player in the team. I'm not convinced of it. No, I, I, and that's and to me that that's kind of one of the factors here, obviously, because I think wherever Jimmy Butler goes, that team is probably going to have to be about Jimmy Butler. Yep. Um, and and in fairness, look, in fairness to like the Nets and the Knicks and the Clippers, um, you know, the people in charge there now are are not the people who necessarily were the architects of all the mess and dysfunction that we've seen in those places. Jimmy Dolan's um, still there. Well, Jimmy Dolan's still in you. I'm not going to make excuses for the Knicks, but certainly the sure the other the two. Nets I would agree. Sean Marks yes. has come. They've they've made yeah, I think a lot of really smart moves and have positioned themselves, totally you know, agree. pretty well given given everything that kind of the the mess that he inherited there and the Clippers. Um, I think you know in a lot of ways have rebounded actually quite nicely from kind of the you know just the rock and a hard place that was um, you know sort of the failed Lob City Lob Angeles. By the way. How did how did Lob Angeles never become more of a thing? I've never understood that. That seemed like a more obvious pun. You're literally changing one letter. A B. When Lob City. Yeah, yeah exactly. An S and Lob a B. Angeles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they ended up actually extricating themselves from a core that, you know, it was worth taking a shot on with Chris Paul, Deanna Jordan, and Blake Griffin. It just didn't work out. Um, and and now they're, you know, they're an interesting team, right? They're, they're kind of in that, like, middle space where they're not going to be bad, but they've got really interesting young talent and some, like, really solid... Um, kind of not too old, decent veteran talent as well. Not overpaid, decent veteran talent as well. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think it is like about Jimmy Butler going someplace where he doesn't seem to care about winning this year, um, but he seems, you know, interested in putting himself in a place where he can lure one of his friends. And I don't know if Kyrie Irving might be that guy. That would be pretty interesting. As long um, as they're a worse player than him. Well, or, or no one, can, no know, one that he uh, thinks is better than him. Yeah, well, that's why Kyrie would be really interesting because you know that Kyrie would would want to be kind of an alpha. Yeah. Um, so that's what what I find so interesting about the about that. Someone's got to grab but, the second fiddle. I'm not sure which yeah. one it would be, but someone's yeah. got to grab it. Yeah, but I think the bottom line. I mean, th- to me, it comes down to this: likelihood of of Jimmy Butler resigning in Milwaukee, not super high. Yep. Certainly lower than than Chris Middleton, who I think at this point, you know, again, you may have to pay him more than what a lot of people would want to pay him, but. Um, for reasons we can go into, uh, I think that's at this point probably worth doing in the grand scheme of you know the Bucks as a franchise, especially trying to keep Giannis uh, happy and, and around long term, which is obviously the most important thing. Jimmy Butler is two years older than Chris Middleton; he's 29. Chris Middleton just turned 27. Um, as you mentioned, uh, personality-wise, Jimmy's an interesting guy. He's, I yeah. mean, he's a junkyard dog. He's a he plays defense. There's a lot to like about Jimmy Butler's personality. He's a self-made guy. He's got a terrific story. 
but he's also like he's alluded to he might be kind of not the easiest guy to to make work um <laughs> i think certainly with like a guy like Giannis, who's like a worker and humble and just wants to win i think there's a lot higher likelihood you could make Jimmy Butler fit with Giannis personality-wise than, you know, Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins and and Carl Anthony Towns. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, like the type of player Jimmy is, like, I mean, he's not, you know, a pure spot-up shooter who doesn't need the ball. He's not um, a guy that um, of volume is shooters. To... He's one of the ten worst. I'm trying to think who had this stat today. I think Tom Fernelli maybe. He's one of the 10 worst volume three-point shooters of the last decade. Uh, he's a career yeah. 33.9 three-point shooter. Yeah, And look, I, I think you can make the case that Chris Middleton to date has, you know, like has Chris made Giannis a lot better? Um, I mean, you could say he hasn't, you know, and a lot of that I think is just usage. Like they haven't used sure. Chris as an off-ball threat as much as they should. But I think that's something you would hope to see Mike Budenholz take more of an advantage of Chris as a spot up guy, floor spacer. Jimmy Butler is, is, you know, really isn't like that kind of floor spacer. He's obviously a guy who can, um, create for himself. Um, he can create for others as well to some extent. Um, but you know, he's more of a guy that you run offense through and, um, would, even though he's obviously a wing, not, not a bigger guy like Giannis, like, you know, he would occupy some of the same spaces in terms of wanting the ball, um, you know, inside the three-point arc at the elbows, you know, on the wing extended, kind of trying to make make plays uh, against defenders. So, yeah, I just think, like, basketball-wise, like, Jimmy's sort of... He, I don't want to say he's, like, tough to fit in, but he's not as malleable as a lot of other guys, right? Um, there are a lot of other stars that... And guys who I would say are, you know, worse basketball players than Jimmy Butler, who I would rather have, you know, on my team, right? Like, yep. Clay Thompson... I would say is a worse basketball player than Jimmy Butler. I'd probably much rather have Clay Thompson, just given that he can defend at a high level and he can just shoot the hell out of the ball and doesn't really need to dribble a ton, right? Yep. Like, and again, not that Clay Thompson's available, but you know, just kind of like speaking hypothetically about some of these guys. And there are a lot of point guards. I would say that I would rather invest my money in like you know a star caliber point guard probably than Jimmy Butler. But um, either way, likelihood of leaving probably pretty high expiration of his contract in only a year his age you know if you do sign him to whatever five years 170 million i think is what he'd be eligible for next summer most likely you're stuck with him like i don't i don't know if you're trading jimmy butler on that on that contract given he's going to be 30 when for at the start of that deal um so again like you're pretty much marrying yourself to jimmy butler if you are even allowed the privilege of re-signing him and that may not be the way to maximize your chances of being a great team long term, right? It, it just it just may not. And so I think for me, yeah, I, I mean, I would not offer Chris Middleton in a trade for Jimmy Butler, um, which I think probably would mean the Bucks would not really have the assets to make a trade work for Jimmy Butler. Um, but who knows? I, I mean, I, I don't know what Minnesota is going to do. Um, is Thibodeau going to just Thibodeau going just going to? ride it out um i don't think i don't think Thibs is looking for first round picks per se Can't <laughs> i'm imagine sure he's he a guy he wants players uh and i, I don't know i'm not sure what's going to be out there and i don't know if i mean I, do i trust tom thibodeau's judgment um you know i was joking that the clippers may not have enough former bulls roles play role players <laughs> to make a compelling offer for um for it's for jimmy job. butler it's a good um, job, Frank. yeah because it's weird right because i mean the teams that um 
the teams that he wants to go to all have cap space next summer. So in theory, they might all say, you know what, we don't want to give up a lot, right? And I don't know, you know, again, like if you're the Knicks, do you want to give up, you know, Nilakina or Kevin Knox if you think you might be able to sign him? I don't know. Um, I don't know what you do there. Um, and 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 again, I I just think it's a it's it's a really interesting situation to see what kind of value um, they might actually be able to get for him and how how willing they are to make a move. Um, so I don't know. I mean, do you do you think what I mean? What's your expectation? Or do you think Jimmy Butler is actually going to get traded before the season starts, or do you think that there's a more likely scenario where he sticks around for some period and you know, I, again, like I don't know what you do with at the trade deadline if he's still on the Timberwolves. I mean, are you really trying to ride this out? Because, I mean, let alone the basketball fit stuff, does not seem like there's necessarily much goodwill between Jimmy Butler and particularly uh, Carl Towns, who, oh by the way, is is eligible for uh, for an extension this summer. I mean, doesn't it seem like we're headed to a, a very Tibbs ending in this? In that. In true Tibbs fashion, he'll find a way to play Jimmy Butler 37 minutes a game. They'll grind it out until the All-Star break, and eventually they'll there just won't be any value. And then at that point, things will have gotten so toxic between all parties that they'll just trade them for pennies on the dollar. And then that'll that'll be how Tibbs ends up losing his personnel say, and that Minnesota team is just ruined for the season like to me that Tibbs doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would just be like oh you're demanding a trade okay sounds good let's get let's let's find a good trade for you he seems like the kind of guy that's like no we're gonna make this work uh like we're gonna we're gonna put that (laughs) trade (laughs) we're gonna put that trade on ice or something like that uh so i I just don't ice ice ice. um but like ed to me that's what that's where it seems like we're going because i'm not I just don't know if Tom Thibodeau is the kind of guy that's going to have the foresight and vision going forward to, and maybe he does have the foresight and vision. He just probably doesn't want to have it. Like he likes to win. We all know that he's always wanted to win, which is why he runs his guys into the ground and tries to get as much out of them. So I I don't see him being like, okay, you know what? We're going to, we're going to go with the long view here and we're going to make the the smart play right now and find a, a reasonable trade for Jimmy Butler where we go out there, we get some picks. And uh, then once we trade him, we got a guy like Taj Gibson. Well, we'll trade Taj Gibson as well and get uh, something for him. And, you know, we'll find a way to make this all work. It, that doesn't that doesn't sound like Tom Thibodeau, at least not to me. It doesn't. Uh, so I don't I, I honestly don't know that I see him getting traded uh, here in the next week or so before uh, any of these teams start training camp. Maybe, maybe the pressure from from Butler will be so so tough to deal with that they'll just have to. Um, but maybe also selfishly, I'm just hoping that they get to next Monday and they have to take media day pictures together. Like, oh please, please let me have that. Like Carl Anthony Town. Carl uh, Anthony Towns and Butler and Thibodeau together, all in a like a three-person group photo that they always take on media day. I would love that. That would be fantastic just to see it uh, and to think about how terrible those pictures are going to look like going forward. And so I, I I don't know that he does get traded, and I, I guess 
one of the things that I was thinking about today was in another way. And again, people love to call me a, a Chris Middleton Homer and all that stuff. But in another way, Chris Middleton has found a way to be underrated in that he's one of the wherever we place him. He's one of the 40 best players in the league. And somehow he both totally understands that Giannis is a better player than him. And there's no arguing that. And I don't think anyone would ever try, but he never really complains about role. He never is concerned about, I need more shots. I need more uh, respect, whatever it is. Like I need more of all these things. Like that isn't something he really does. And yet with that, Giannis still trusts him in big moments. Giannis still is willing to, you know, if he's in trouble, all right, I'm going to get to Chris and Chris is going to bail me out late in the clock. Like it's, it's just kind of interesting to see that that trust exists despite, you know, Chris not having any sort of illusions that he's on, he's a a better player than Giannis. And I I just feel like that all works out. And, and that's why it, this is, this is really interesting. We ran the poll today at ESPN Milwaukee that for the next year, like, would you rather have Chris Middleton or Jimmy Butler uh, on the Bucks? And 54% of people, I think, said Chris Middleton. And people are like, oh, everyone's just being homers. But like, as we've talked about a Chris Middleton extension, what have people said? Oh, are, do you really want Chris Middleton at age 32? Well, Jimmy Butler has either led the league or – been damn close to the league lead in minutes per game for the last five seasons. And I I can't imagine that ages gracefully. And he's two years older than Chris Middleton. Like, I I just think there's the potential for that not to go well. And somehow we've, we've stumbled into a spot where with that, and then you add on the fact that Chris can kind of be the second fiddle who also spreads the floor, shoots it well, uh, and doesn't necessarily have any sort of ego to go along with it, that I think I'm probably in the group that would prefer Chris Middleton, who I find to be somewhere around the 35th best player in the league, to Jimmy Butler, who I find somewhere around the 10th best player in the league. And, and that shouldn't make sense, but in a Bucks specific scenario, it almost feels right. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I get the idea that people want to roll the dice on getting a, a top 10, 15 talent. I mean, I think if you want the Bucks to win a championship, I think you, you probably need to do that. But the problem yeah. is, if you roll the dice on Jimmy Butler now and you give up you know, your second best player and then Jimmy Butler inevitably leaves in a year then how are you making a compelling pitch to Giannis Dedekumbo in the year 2020 that you guys are you know building a championship I mean you're again you'd have some cap flexibility next summer to potentially go out and sign somebody but you know realistically you're maybe signing like you know one guy and I don't even know if like if you want to pay a lot of money to a guy like if you wanted to go get Kemba Walker like you probably you know you're not keeping Bledsoe and Kemba Walker and you've lost Jimmy Butler and Chris Middleton is also gone. So, you know, effectively you've kind of, you know, traded, you know, relative to like where they are now, you've traded, you know, let's say Bledsoe and and Middleton for Kemba Walker, right? And look, Kemba Walker's great. I'd much rather have him than any of the Bucks' current point guards, but 
you know, think about the trade-offs involved here, right? <laughs> like, yeah. it's it, it'd be nice. I mean, you'd, that'd be a good save if you were able to somehow get Kemba Walker, but that's probably your best-case scenario um, in that event where, you know, you, you have a scenario that, that Butler walks after giving up Middleton for him. So, yeah, it's just tough, and it's a and it's a big gamble. And I think, you know, at some point the Bucks are obviously going to, they want to win a championship they're going to have to gamble at some point but i think you know if you're going to gamble um i don't think you do it with chris middleton and i or at, at a minimum i don't think you do it before you have confidence that you've got you know a path to making sure you get Giannis to sign that supermax extension in the year 2020 which would start in 2021 so um so yeah it's i think it's interesting and it i mean if people are frustrated i mean i i totally get it right it's like well Everybody agrees we need a better second star than Chris Middleton. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think so, right? I'm with it. But yeah. but then you kind of realize like the the generally the kind of guys that you talk about getting in that role. Um, I mean, look, like a year ago we were talking about Kyrie Irving and, and should the Bucks try to roll the dice on Kyrie Irving, right? Um, yeah. Y- you know, like if they had Kyrie, you know, if they had traded Chris Middleton and Malcolm Brogdon and like a first round pick for. Uh, for Kyrie Irving, um, I mean, it'd be an interesting team, right? With basically, you know, the current team, no Bledsoe, no Middleton, and Kyrie in in, in the spot of of, of those guys. Um, but I mean, is that team appreciably closer <laughs> to winning a championship? You know, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's a, it's a tough. difficult question. Um, you you'd have to basically hope that not only does Kyrie not leave next summer, which I mean, hell, there's talk that. Kyrie might leave the Celtics, right? Like yep. if the Celtics might actually, and again, I don't think. And the Celtics might win on, 60 games this year. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I wouldn't bet on him leaving the Celtics or anything like that, but like, it's not out of question. I mean, yep. Kyrie's kind of a tough nut to crack. Um, and so I think this is always like this, this challenge, like how do you, if you're going to try to get that like star player, how do you upgrade? And, you know, we've talked about Kyrie and his durability questions. I mean, Jimmy plays tons of minutes, but you look at actually his games played, since the 13-14 season, he's played 67, 65, 67, 76, and 59 games. So he's had one year in the last five where he's actually played more than 67 games. So, you know, again, and it's not necessarily that he's got like, you know, that he's torn an ACL twice, which we've seen in Milwaukee, unfortunately, with Jabari Parker. I mean, um, it ends up being lots of different stuff, but he's had, you know, he had the knee injury last year, uh, and he's had lots of kind of different things that have obviously limited his ability to be on the court. So, especially as he nears, you know, his his twenty, and uh, so see, he just turned twenty nine a week ago. Um, I think it's very legitimate to kind of be concerned that that that, you know, durability questions, the minutes that he's had, that that could catch up with him sooner rather than later. So, yeah, I think I, I think it's it's definitely a it's a tough position, I think, you know, and it, and it really underscores the challenges the Bucks have in trying to really upgrade meaningfully their roster. Because, again, like if you could trade, you know, not Chris Middleton and pieces for Jimmy Butler, yeah, I think there's a a very good argument that that could be worth worth a, a shot, right? Just because yeah. of the the talent upgrade it gets you, and the fact that um, you know he does, I think, meaningfully help teams win games even if he's not an ideal fit with with your current roster necessarily um i think he does at least elevate you into that a different sort of talent level as a team and again like can you actually resign him slash if you give him a monster contract is that really going to work out uh, i don't know but uh, <laughs> but at least you know gives you that kind of 
second star player and with Middleton as a third banana, you'd probably feel pretty good about that. So, yeah, I mean, if there was a way to do it without giving up Chris Middleton, I'd absolutely think about that because, as we've discussed, we don't look at the rest of the Bucks roster as being particularly uh, Indeed. particularly valuable. Um, but, uh, again, there, that'd be a gamble as well. And, and ultimately, I don't think you could do that. Ultimately, I think he will have enough value. I, I think if the, the Wolves do want to trade him that um, that you will find a team that would offer more. Um, but who knows, right? I think it's going to be very interesting to see exactly what um, other teams are going to be willing to give up because, I don't know, I feel like I, I saw a lot of kind of trade trade scenarios being thrown around today that seemed like people were um let's just say people were valuing jimmy butler in ways that i'm not sure that that other teams from a trade perspective are actually going to value him i I think you know again just the fact that the teams that he wants to go to are going to have cap space and might be hesitant to give him uh, or to give up a ton for him um i think that that may impact his market a little bit and as we've seen you know it's it's hard to really land a, a big haul for a star player on a on an expiring contract, especially when that guy's twenty nine years old. Yeah, and I mean, even if if that guy's younger and you don't know, like you look at the like the Kyrie Irving package, does that end up looking awesome? No, right? Like that was and that was with a year and a half left, or was it even was it two years? I'm trying to think how long. Yeah, it was it was with a long ways on that deal, and I don't think anyone is looking back at the Kyrie Irving package and going, "Whoa, Cavs really did well on that one." Um, and I mean, that was the package that they thought was best at the time. So I I don't know. Like I think it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting discussion because obviously we tend to think it's more purely hypothetical, um, but it, it will. I think what inevitably ends up happening in all these situations is Jimmy Butler gets traded for less than less than a lot. And then everyone says, well, the Bucks could have matched that or whatever it may be. And, and, you know, in the end, maybe that'll be the case, but it also speaks to all those other things. Like we've mentioned all the reasons why maybe trading for someone who we would think is the 10th best player in the league isn't the best idea. So I don't know. It's this is another one of those where I don't know if you can really find a right answer. Um, But the thing underscoring all of this is winning in the NBA is really freaking hard. And it's even harder when you don't hit on your first round picks. And the Bucks have whiffed on a number of those because if you do hit on some of those, you know, maybe you can say something like, oh, yeah, they could get him without giving up Middleton. And I don't think we can say yeah. that. I don't think we have that confidence. Like if if Thon Maker is not just a, a playoff anomaly and instead an actual uh good solid nba player okay maybe maybe you can feel a a little bit differently about that and and the assets that they have but at the moment you can't feel uh, all that good about it if dj wilson has a season where he plays a thousand minutes and shows some potential like okay you have another and i mean it doesn't have to be a great season like you can at least just get someone to bet on the fact that this guy might be an nba player and again, that didn't happen last season and nothing close to that happened last season. So now you have another empty pick, another empty roster spot where instead of having these assets that you could accumulate and be able to 
add up to get you Giannis and Chris and Jimmy Butler, you instead have to think, okay, well, if we actually if we actually want to get someone that can be a, a true number two star, another top 20 player, like we're going to have to trade away this guy that's outside of the top 20, but he is our next best player. And then does that leave the rest of our roster bare? Like, can we act? Uh, well, then can we resign this guy? Like, how does this all work? Like, you're asking yourself a, a larger series of even tougher questions because you just didn't get enough from, you know, the value adds that you naturally have as a franchise in those first round and second round picks. Uh, so, I mean, it, this is our depressing conversation about the trade value of the Bucks players. Just, I mean, being fully realized that this is what yeah, it, I mean, this is what it means. Yeah. I mean, imagine, you know, if, if the Bucks had drafted OG Ananobi or John, Con- or even John Collins, right. Yep. A, a, rather than DJ Wilson. Right. Like I think you have certain, especially with Ananobi, um, who of course ironically was picked with a draft pick that the Bucks got from, the Clippers uh, years earlier. Um, yeah. I mean, if you had OG Ananobi, I mean, you could actually like probably like construct some very plausible scenarios that you could acquire a guy like Jimmy without giving up Chris Middleton. But again, like, you know, when you, when you whiff pretty hard uh, on most of these, most of these picks other than Brockton, really yep. um, it, it's just, and it's a great point. Cause I think the, the value of the draft is, I think there's really two, two big ones, right? There's, having those like young up and coming cheap assets that teams will value in, in trades as you're alluding to. Um, and then also, you know, um, if, if you're, if you're forced to turn to cap space and signing, you know, guys on their trying to get their third contracts, you know, so rookie deal first extension, and then, and then basically their first unrestricted free agent deal. Yep. I mean, those guys are tending to be, you know, again, guys that have been in the league for at least, seven eight sometimes nine years yep and so those are guys that are going to be now more like late 20s um type age ranges so you know think about a guy like Kemba walker right who's roughly i think the same age as bledsoe um and bledsoe himself right both of those guys are not going to hit free unrestricted free agency until they're basically what, 29 years old and so it's like well yeah i mean you can add a star you know if you view Kemba walker as like you know, a great star piece to pair with Giannis. And I think, you know, yeah, Kemba would be a really nice piece next to Giannis. Well, yeah, but you, you got to sign, you're not getting him when he's 25 or 26 with, yeah. you know, four or five years of, of really major prime left. Um, you know, you're waiting until that guy has blossomed and then you're paying him, you know, 30% of the cap, which, you know, is going to be over $30 million a year. And you're getting, you know, basically the backside of that contract is probably not going to be worth that amount so you know again like compare that to if you do find a guy and and again even if it's not like an all-star caliber guy but like you know like a guy who's in the chris middleton or slightly worse type ballpark um you find a guy like that in the draft not only do you have him for the four years of his rookie contract but then you get his first contract too when he's probably not signing Again, he's not even eligible for that $30 million a year contract because he hasn't been in the league long enough. So, um, you know, just getting that extended runway with a younger player, I think, is is really instructive. And so, you know, one of the things I've been talking about, which I, I tweeted about tonight is, you know, uh, we, we've, we've talk, heard a lot of talk about like 2019 and the Bucks, ca- Bucks, can they get cap flexibility in 2019? And to me, you know, 2019 is really about keeping Chris Middleton and then essentially maintaining your other 
kind of talent level, um, especially at the point guard spot where you've got Bledsoe and Brogdon hitting free agency. And Brogdon being restricted, you have a little bit more room to you know control that scenario. Bledsoe's obviously unrestricted. I don't know what really his market's going to be like at 29 years old. Um, but to me, next summer is really just about, hey, pay Chris Middleton. You didn't pay him much these last you know, four years. Don't skimp. Don't get cute. Um, if you have to overpay a little bit, um, I think that's fine. And, you know, the upside again is if you end up having to pay Chris Middleton, you know, a deal starting at 25 or hell, even $30 million a year. I don't, I don't know with next summer's cap bonanza that let, let's just throw that out there. It's possible that could be in play for Chris Middleton. It's not quite his max, but it's getting up there. Sure. Um, even if you do that, um, in 2020, You've got Giannis in the last year of his, you know, 2021 will be the last year of his sort of existing kind of cheaper first extension. You've got Delavadova, Henson rolling off. You've got Urson rolling off at that point. Um, you really only have Tony Snell on his player option, $12 million final season. You know, you've presumably got Dante DiVincenzo making like $3 million a year. You don't really have that much really on your, on your books at that point because kind of all the questionable deals have sort of rolled off um and so potentially you have flexibility if even if you have chris middleton making a ton of money um you know even if you pay brogdon let's say 10 million dollars a year you could still very easily if you again don't make a make a bunch of longer term commitments next summer you could have well you know 30 30 30 plus million dollars in cap flexibility to either again like go sign somebody or maybe you take on some bad salary and get some you know players with upside which to be honest I think it's probably the un- un- underappreciated way to really fill out your kind of talent base. Um, and this is kind of something we talked a little bit about, like in the context of like a Jabari Parker um, sign and trade. And we didn't really talk about like adding necessarily um, like young, a lot of young talent along with, you know, acquiring maybe a veteran who's a little bit overpaid. But again, I think that's something that teams don't really think about doing, you know, like teams that are already good, it seems like don't like to think about adding like overpaid players in order to also get like younger players with some upside but um i I think that's an under let's just say an underutilized way to to do it i think teams just want to go out and sign um you know sign a a team a guy they think is a star but you know realistically again like that that doesn't always work out that well so anyway um i think 2020 is you know again 2019 is hugely important but to me it's mostly important in the sense of you know bring back Chris Middleton and again you may not love the contract number but that's not going to you know that that's not what kills your your long-term flexibility it's it's signing all these other guys to you know contracts like you know again like we've always talked about Brogdon guys like that like you got to be really careful right like if Brogdon somehow gets a 15 million dollar year offer sheet next summer I'm I'm done I'm I I just I mean unless he's dramatically better next year I don't know I just I just don't think you can afford it I, I just I just don't see it, you know, again, because if you if you sign him to that deal or if you give Bledsoe, you know, even kind of what he's making now, like Bledsoe, you know, give him more, you know, a few years at $15 million a year, then that's kind of that's your team pretty much. Right. Like yep. you're not you're not dramatically improving your team unless, again, you strike strike gold with with one of your draft picks um, and and can use that or you you know are able to parlay some other assets into something because, again, there's really not a lot of you know, upside in terms of young talent that, that might be able to outperform their contracts at that point. So, um, so yeah, I, again, I think it's really about maintaining the flexibility for 2020. And then again, you know, 
obviously you got to you want to be pretty good coming out of 2019-20 cuz you want Giannis to feel excited about signing that supermax extension um but that that might be that summer might be your kind of best chance at again not necessarily just going out and signing a guy for a lot of money but potentially just also having flexibility to to make other types of moves as well as as I mentioned you know maybe you take on um somebody else's contract that's a bit inflated um maybe you you know again acquire a guy that along with that as as kind of ransom who who has some upside to be a a a good player who maybe becomes who knows maybe becomes a great player um but again i I think that's that's the hard part of being a gm right and if you don't draft well and it's easy to say hey go go draft star players um (laughs) much easier said than done but i mean that's you know look the warriors are the warriors because you know, they got Steph. They drafted Steph Curry and then got him on a really attractive second, you know, second contract. And they got Draymond Green in the second round, and they got Clay Thompson in the first round. I mean, that that's really was the starting point for everything. And um, you know, again, if you not you, you can't expect to do that necessarily, but um, you know, the Bucks struck gold with Giannis. They got really lucky with Middleton acquiring him the way they did. And obviously, I think you know the big question is how do you get another piece? And um, again, a Signing a guy for a ton of money is one way to do it. They, I think, will have the opportunity to do that not this coming summer, but the summer after. Um, but again, you you have to really think strategically about it. And I also, to be honest, I just I don't know if I really think the Bucks are even going to think in those terms. I, I, you know, you look at like that Urson signing this summer. I think they're probably going to be a lot more short term focused. And I'm not even sure if they are even going to think about 2020 cap space to be honest next summer, which isn't isn't really a vote of confidence, but. Again, um, I, I don't know. It's tough to say, especially with a coach in Bud who is, you know, likely going to exert a lot of influence uh, on personnel decisions. Yeah, I mean, to me, when when you look at the Bucks' decision making going forward, trying to win a championship is important. Yeah, getting Giannis to sign in—that's the only thing that matters. Like nothing you can do is more important than that. Like you, you can't lose Giannis. So. I get the the desire to win games, to put yourself in a position to win a championship. All of that, res- I mean, it just revolves around Giannis. Giannis is the sun. You cannot get rid of the sun. You have to have it. So um, to me, just as I think through all of this, like the only thing I'd be concerned about is, one, am I making Giannis happy? And too, like you can't go too far with that. Obviously, I was against like signing Costas or, or anything like that. Like that's that's too much. But you do want to put yourself in a position in 2020 when he is super max eligible that he is dying to sign that contract. That you want him to do that. And again, we've talked about the the numbers as far as salary cap figures and how big that contract can be. That will certainly help and make him want to sign that deal. Um, but you know, you do have to make sure everything around him makes sense and like you said if you can have a strong year this year a strong year in 1920 and then have a a potential guide to sign in that time that might make Giannis happy that's a whole lot of good vibes everything's great like even if it is a bad signing and it doesn't work out you know what you just use those vibes and Giannis signs in 2020 it signs the supermax and then you know, you, you got to deal with whatever you've done after it, and building a team becomes even harder. Um, but to me, it, it's signing Giannis. That's it. You got to get him in 2020. Nothing else 
really matters or at least that's the way i view it so uh maybe you think differently but that's okay we can talk no i i no i i I, and to be honest like this is why i was you know much higher on the bledsoe trade last year than i think a lot of people were especially in hindsight a lot of people i think have you know really questioned the bledsoe trade and and to be honest like you know i mean that's like kind of thing it's like kind of scary and again i know we're last year retroactively you're a long way from Giannis actually being able to leave right sure um but like looking at what Greg Monroe's Greg Monroe's you know Greg Monroe was Greg Monroe's Greg Monroe's role in the modern (laughs) NBA is um you know uh, Bucks were lucky to get some really good play out of him two years ago um and and again I mean last year he was obviously just an expiring contract but like you think about the scenario where the Bucks just you know keep Greg Monroe and then you know role with with Della Vadova and and Brogdon at or, and Brogdon at point guard um and again like you know again who knows if the injuries work out the way they do in that scenario with where you don't acquire Bledsoe but um you know you have to take some shots here to to increase the talent base of this team and you know I think keeping Monroe was was not going to be the way to do that um yeah. I think you can argue you know could they have had more flexibility this summer to make moves in a summer where obviously there was you know not a lot of cap space. I think that that's certainly an interesting kind of counterfactual to to the Bledsoe trade, right? Sure. I think to me that's the big the big trade off. Um, I think you know the the upside is you know the the downside of losing a, a first round pick is you know well hopefully it's down the road a ways when you're a lot better than you are now. Um, and there's I think a you know a, a steep discount on on that that first round pick given it's not you know something you're going to lose in the short term and. <laughs> Hell, I mean, like I said, I think I don't know if I said this on the podcast, but um, after the draft, I kind of wished that the Bucks had just lost their first round pick this year. Um, and I, I actually, I, I, I kind of feel, I kind of stand by that at this point. And again, I hope Dante <laughs> Vincenzo is good. Um, but uh, a lot of me is just like, well, I'm not really, I don't really think this, this, this. I don't really think this is going to really change the course of history for the Bucks. This sure. pick. Or change the course of whether Giannis stays or not. Um, so part of me is just like, well, now I kind of wish that they had just lost the pick and gotten it over with. Um, but uh, anyway, um, that, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, no, I agree. It's it's all about you know building. I think something here in, in this shorter term that again, like, look, you're not going to win a championship. You weren't going to win a championship last year or this year. Um, it, but can you make meaningful strides and surround Giannis with talent that? hopefully can raise the ceiling of this team. Yes, you can. Um, you know, do you want to mortgage the future entirely to do it? No. Um, I don't think you'd want to do that. But um, I, I think, again, you have to take some shots. And, um, you know, obviously Bledsoe was – he was a shot. And I think, you know, there's obviously been a lot of debate, especially after that playoff series, of, you know, whether that really was was the kind of shot you should take. Um but we'll see, right? I mean, I think again, yeah. you knew you were going to get at least two years out of Bledsoe. His first year, you know, playoffs notwithstanding, were were actually very productive. You just hope you get more of that this year. You hope he avoids injuries, and um, I think to be continued what what Eric Bledsoe's long term role is. But um, certainly in the short term, he can still play a, a really important role. You know, by being a an, a productive, good player, and um, certainly if if you didn't have him, um, I think your you know your ceiling is lower. What could you replace them with? You know, that's that's probably a, another discussion. So, um, leave anyway, it we, leave it to us and, uh, to take a Jimmy Butler hypothetical and then 
end up discussing the long-term future of the Milwaukee Bucks. Only us, yeah. Frank. We, we had our chance to get out, but we just couldn't help ourselves and instead decided to go even longer than we had ever planned. But that's okay. That's what happens. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I think, but I think, I think, but I think to be honest, I think that it's it, it sort of those things though. It's like, I think these are the sort of questions that the Bucks and, and as a fan, as fans, like you guys should think about like what kind yes. of shot do you take if you're John Horst? Like, where do you roll the dice? You're going to have to roll the dice at some point. And you can't take and, everyone. Right. And so how do you, how do you turn, you know, assets that are, you know, worth X into assets that are worth two X or yep. X plus 15% or whatever, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, you're, you're going to have to get a multiplier somehow. And obviously the, the obvious thing that John Horst did last year in, t- in trying to do that was the Bledsoe move. Um, obviously that's ne- that was never going to be like a grand slam home run because Bledsoe just isn't good enough for that. But, um, but w- what is, what is the next one on the list? Right. And, you know, I think anytime a star player asks for a trade or is available, I think then gotta think about it. You got to think about it. Yep. And, and you got to think about what would you be willing to give up? What would the kind of implications be for, for the team short term, long term? And um, and again, you know, that this is why you want to have that stable of of useful young players and assets and flexibility to to be able to be in a position that you can you can make moves. All right. That's going to be it for us for today. This has been Lockdown Bucks for Frank Mann. I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you later. See you, buddy. Later.